1: Hi, I'm Alyssa Milano, and this is Sorry Not Sorry. My guest today is Joe Walsh. Joe is a former Republican congressman from Illinois, a conservative radio commentator, and a former candidate for president who challenged Donald Trump for the 2020 nomination. Joe and I disagree on almost everything, but not on one of the most important issues of our day, that Donald Trump is an existential threat to our nation. In our conversation today, we talk about the state of the Republican Party the dangers of Trumpism, and Joe's new book, Fuck Silence. It's important that we find common ground where we can, and I'm very glad to share this conversation with you.
2: Our guest is a member of the Tea Party Caucus. His name is Joe Walsh, Congressman, Republican. from Illinois. Congressman Joe Walsh, Republican.
0: District. We begin has this been morning with what appears Annie to be Jeffers, a building in drumbeat within the, the Illinois Republican Party that
2: it's time to call in the Sandman to pull Donald and Trump off the stage. And it's become on the, the air stage. this morning a new political threat, a potential challenge from one of his own conservative firebrand joe walsh a tea party congressman now a talk radio host
3: and no stranger to controversy and incendiary rhetoric these are not conventional times these are urgent times let's be real these are scary times so the hell with all those conventional things today i'm declaring my candidacy for president of the united states because it's time it's time to be brave. Hey, Iowa, Donald Trump has lied to you and he's screwed you. His terrible tariffs. You've paid the price for Trump's tariffs, right? They've made your life miserable. I am ending my candidacy for president of the United States. Look, I got into this because I thought it was really important that there was a Republican, a Republican out there, every day calling out this president for how unfit he is. Hey, I'm Joe Walsh, and I am determined to do whatever I can this year to make sure Donald Trump is not reelected. Sorry, not sorry.
1: I want to start sort of in the beginning with you because I think your trajectory to where we are today is very compelling. It's unusual. And also I think there might be something that people can relate to in your story. Right, right. So will you tell us a little bit about how you grew up?
3: Pretty mundane. I mean, a big old Irish Catholic family of nine kids. Uh, Mom and dad both passed away within the last couple of years. I love my mom and dad. A pretty lovely, boring childhood. I was the middle child of nine. I grew up alone in the family of nine. When you come from a big family, Alyssa, Mm. you fight for your parents' attention. And so when I look back, a lot of the things I've done in life has been to galvanize people, to make people stand up and pay attention about things I care about. But I loved coming up in a big family.
1: So what were your interests?
3: You know, I always, and, and maybe similar to you, from the earliest age, I cared about history. I've always been enamored with American history. I was watching the other night the first Part of the special on the History Channel on George Washington.
1: I saw it too. It was wonderful. Yeah,
3: Yeah. I I, I want to watch the rest of it. I'm convinced. I've always kind of believed in reincarnation. I'm convinced I lived at that time. Really? Alyssa, I've been obsessed with the revolutionary period for as long as I can remember.
1: Really? Yeah. So how does that manifest itself in like your daily life? Do you get deja vus? Do you get...
3: Um, I I often, and I've often dreamt of that period. I've been obsessed with books and movies of that period. And it's led to my interest in this country, the problems in this country, where we are now. So my interest in history always led me to politics, Hmm. governance.
1: So in high school, what was important to you? (laughs) Were you an athlete at all? I
3: was. I mean, I was Mr. Baseball, basketball, football, president of my senior class, all of that, but always bored a little bit in high school. I was always thinking beyond high school. And then when I was in college, I was bored in college and thinking beyond college. So I never really felt like I fit in in those slots. What'd in you my study life. in college? I was an English major but a oh. political science minor. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: you get out of college, you're still in your hometown? Where'd you go to college?
3: I went to a small school in the middle of Iowa called Grinnell College. Then I transferred to the University of Iowa, graduated there. I took time off. I hopped on a Greyhound bus, came out here to become an actor, didn't because I was lazy ass and I rode my bicycle up and down all over California, tended bar and just dreamt a lot, then went back to Iowa, finally graduated once the acting bug kind of went away and then I spent time in the city of Chicago after I graduated, mostly mm-hmm. on the south side of Chicago, working with low-income black, white, and brown kids on job training and educational, their educational skills.
1: And you were a registered Republican at this time?
3: I've probably been a registered Republican my whole life. I rarely describe myself as a Republican, which is odd because I ran for president as a Republican. I've always considered myself sort of libertarian Mm -hmm. slash conservative, Mm -hmm. though I don't like the word conservative. But I've always felt an obligation to help people who are not as well off as me. I've never... Where do you think
1: that that drive came from?
3: Probably my mom. Mm. My mom was a servant. She was a teacher. She was a a special education teacher. She loved history as well. And she she instilled in me, at least, that that was part of why we were here, a big part of why we were here. And that, combined with my sort of political ethos, which is I don't want government doing everything for people. I want us doing more for our fellow man, has always led me toward the helping professions.
1: It's interesting because I think when you think of libertarian, you don't think of fellow man helping fellow man. You think of like someone, you know, in a cabin who doesn't – All
3: by themselves. All
1: by themselves, <laughs> who has no yeah. – you know, I think that if more people understood that that's the libertarian sort of ethos is that. And it not, should be that. Yeah. But I think there's so much that is politically misunderstood – right now oh, totally. and i think it feeds into exactly what we're seeing right now with this administration.
2: Yeah.
1: But also it's so interesting to me how we've lost sight of the gray areas in life. And i don't know if that's because maybe twitter maybe we have these like little short bursts of information and we're not able to really see nuance, right? Like nuance is dead. Totally. So when we think of Republicans and we think of libertarians and we think of Democrats, we think of very specific people. Mm-hmm. Void of any nuance, right? I mean if you are this, you yeah. have to be this 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 and this. I'm wondering when you started to see that happen. I mean, my husband when I first met him was a re- registered Republican. Was he? Yeah, he was a registered wow. re- and and you know, A progressive Republican. I don't know if a progressive Republican (laughs)
3: exists anymore. What is that? What
1: is that? But you got to, I mean, it's better than a regressive Republican, which seems to be the way of the party right now.
3: It's a, Alyssa, it's just, everything's broken. I mean, just step back. We have a horrible human being in the White House. I mean, you and I may differ on a lot of issues. Yeah. Almost everybody outside of his crazy supporters Understand that we have a horrible human being in the White House. How the hell did he get there? I think he got there because our political system is just flat out broken.
2: So why should we take you seriously?
3: Um, And I don't know that you should. I hope you do. Look, um, and let's just be clear from the outset. Uh, I announced about five months ago uh, that this former Republican congressman is going to take on a sitting Trump, a sitting president named Trump. Um, Nobody joe in their right mind should think about doing this unless you have a really good reason it's easily the most freaking difficult thing i've ever done Uh, as you mentioned i mean i come from a certain place politically most of the people in that world politically "Ah," they love trump so i've lost my friends i've lost my supporters i get threats all the time it's been difficult the party has tried to whack me every single day uh I'm doing it, and I got into it, Joe, knowing it would be difficult. Uh, I'm I'm many things, but I'm not dumb. I knew it would be difficult. I thought it was important. I believe he's unfit. So it's that message that we've led with, which is, I know who I am. I know this isn't going to be easy, but that guy in the White House scares the hell out of me. He should scare everybody. And we've led with that message in everything we do.
1: What is the most broken thing that you feel enabled him to become president? About the political system. We could go into the social aspect, too. Yeah, yeah. Because I I think there is a lot that was broken in society that allowed for him to. I
3: think especially when you talk to his supporter, and I know his supporters well because they voted for me and they've listened to me on the radio the last seven years. They feel like Washington, D.C. doesn't give a fuck about them and hasn't for a long time. Republicans and Democrats, they don't care about me. We got like 39 different genders now. Everybody can marry who they want to marry. I got people who don't look like me coming across the border and Washington's not listening. And so along comes this asshole, this demagogue, who at least gave them the impression that he's paying attention.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's still a problem with the Democratic Party. I think that we discuss really lofty things like impeachment, Ukraine and Russia, and without any historical context, because most people don't have the history of those of those countries. And we expect people to care. And I think it's hard to care about impeachment when you can't put food on the table Mm -hmm. and you're working three jobs and you're living paycheck to paycheck and you're one flat tire away from total financial devastation.
3: That's the stuff Nancy Pelosi wanted to be talking about all year. And that's why Trump sucks so much, because if Ukraine never happened, Nancy was going to hold off impeachment. She didn't want impeachment. She knew it would probably hurt them politically, and she wanted to talk about what you're talking about.
1: So do you think it's hurt them politically?
3: No, I don't, actually. I think you see it in the polls. The vast majority of the American people know what he did was wrong. And the vast majority of the American people know that the Senate didn't even conduct a trial, so I think the Republicans are going to be hurt this year, and they you should. Do. Oh, absolutely. So wait, Lisa. there's so
1: much I want to talk to you about. And but, they should be. But can we back up yeah. to you being? total Republican, I think I've even given you shit on Twitter many a times to...
3: (laughs) Often (laughs) deserve
1: Apologies for that. No, often Um, deserved. But but this should go as an example that people can come together despite our differences and have a civil conversation and look at each other in the eye and want what's right for this country. In my business, having straight teeth is so important. And for me, that meant making sure my teeth were perfectly straight with Candid. If you're unhappy with your smile or self-conscious in photos, you have to check them out. They deliver clear aligners right to you and straighten your teeth for 65% less than braces. And the best part? They are totally invisible. You can transform your smile without anyone noticing a thing. And you never have to set foot in a doctor's office or a waiting room. Your treatment is prescribed remotely by a licensed orthodontist, and Candid delivers everything you need right to your door. Unlike other companies, Candid only works with your orthodontists, never general dentists. That means your treatment will be designed by an expert in tooth movement with 20 years of experience on average. Looking ahead to a wedding season or a special event? With Candid, the average treatment length is just six months, and you'll start seeing results way before then. Learn more about Candid's process and get a complimentary 3D scan of your teeth at a Candid studio near you. It's the simplest, freest way to get started. Are you ready to take the first step towards straighter teeth? For a limited time, you could get started with $75 off by using code SORRY at candidco.com slash SORRY. That's candidco.com slash SORRY. Use code SORRY for $75 off. Candidco.com slash SORRY. Code SORRY.
3: I went to Washington in 2010. I was part of the Tea Party class. And I know just that term, Alyssa, can like drive people crazy because everybody's got 39 different definitions of the Tea Party. I went there because we're bankrupting future generations. Both parties are doing it and neither party wants to address it. That whole thing got taken over because look at Trump now. Mm -hmm. He's increasing the debt faster than Obama did. not were are the Tea Party people? But that's what drove me.
1: That's a good point. Where are the
3: Tea Party people? You know what? They're, they're, they're washing Trump's feet. It just, I'll tell you what, Alyssa, Trump's a horrible dude and nothing he does surprises me. He's a criminal. All of my former colleagues in the House and Senate, Jim Jordan, <laughs> Jim Jordan, and I used to be friends. I don't even recognize him now. His enablers deserve the worst. I've spoken to enough of them privately. And everything I say about Trump publicly, he's a moron, he's a bigot, he's a pathological liar. Alyssa, most of the Republicans privately, you know this, they agree with almost all of that. Still, though? Yes.
1: Because I remember I went to D.C. to to lobby for the National Endowment of the Arts. You sat down with Ted Cruz. Well, that too, but that was recently. But right after Trump was elected, remember when he said that he was going to cut funding for the National Endowment of the Arts? I was convinced that's because nobody showed up that had a SAG card to his inauguration, but that's a whole other story. (laughs) So I went and we meet with Republicans and Democrats, and it was no different than normal Except, you know, I was very vocal to say I'm very concerned that this guy will actually cut our budget. Everyone was like, I don't worry about him. We know how to control him. He's just the face of this. Like, Republicans were literally telling me not to worry. about. Nobody's going to listen to him. We got this under control. Casting him off as being totally inept and not powerful at all. And, you know, the Republicans would ask for the selfie and they'd post the selfie. The difference between a year later when I went back to lobby, they wouldn't take the meetings. The few meetings that I did get with Republicans, and this was for the the Equal Rights Amendment, they asked me not to post the pictures or to publicize that I actually sat down with. So there was a definite shift.
3: They still don't like him, and they know he's a bad person. And many of them know he's hurting the Republican Party. It's just now it's put on my team uniform because we got to beat the Democrats. So you
1: think it's about them losing their seats?
3: What, Alyssa, it's abject fear. It's fear of him. It's fear of his supporters. If you stick your neck out right now against Trump, you will probably not get reelected. All of his supporters will turn on you. Why, Why put up with all of
2: that? The president's son slammed Romney for his vote earlier this evening. He's flip-flopped for political expediency on every major conservative issue that he says he believes in now that he's in Utah again. He has come to Donald Trump for his endorsement for money when he was running. He blew his chance bigly. He's not brave.
3: He's a coward. And it's fear of what the Democrats might do if the Democrats are in charge. I mean I had a Republican congressman tell me privately I know Trump's an asshole but he's my coach and the other team's bad so I just have to fight against the other team. I mean
1: that's what it feels like. It feels like I mean to put it to put it in the simplest terms my son who's 8 <laughs> says mama who's winning today the red team or the blue
3: team. Yeah. It's so tribal.
1: It's so Tribal. It's so tribal. And as a parent, it's terrifying because you know the message that you can control in the home. Yeah. Right. And sometimes I feel like that goes overboard because let me tell you why because i don't know what he's getting outside the home right and so especially now because i feel that a lot of other bad people have been emboldened to be vocally bad and not like in their grandmother's basement bad so (laughs) it's it's terrifying to me to parent like that and i know that they feel the stress of it. I know that they do because it's it's everywhere. So if I was in the car with my son the other day, my husband was talking about Bloomberg and my son got eight years old. My son goes, Mike.
3: <laughs> oh, my God.
1: <laughs> I'm like, Wait, how do you know that that's his first Mike. name? And he said, Mom, before every single YouTube video, there's an ad for Mike, Mike. Bloomberg. And so very oh, is that crazy?
3: What, a riot. So
1: they're absorbing all of this information and so then it becomes in teaching, in parenting, I think it becomes even more tribal.
3: Yeah.
1: And that's terrifying to me even though I know that I'm part of that. And then you have these echo chambers of social media, mm-hmm. which is so dangerous because you're just putting things out to the audience that wants to hear what you're, you have to say. And that's why people like you, you renew my faith in, in humanity because you're putting out something that is very different than what your followers on Twitter are probably expecting. Oh, and
3: Alyssa, like I was a conservative talk radio host for six years. Yes. And, I mean, you are browbeaten now. You have to kiss Trump's feet every day. And I couldn't do that and I wouldn't do that. I lost my radio show no matter what. Israel Today came out and said if she wants to come into Israel to just visit her 90-year-old grandmother, we'll let her do that. But she can't do anything else, and she can't politic, and she can't advocate for her Palestinian cause, the BDS movement, anything like that. We'll let her into Israel if she just wants to visit her 90-year-old grandmother, to which uh, Congresswoman Tlaib said, Heck no, no way. That's insulting. But people like Hannity and Limbaugh and these guys, they purposely lie to their listeners. Think how sad that is. Yeah. Limbaugh's not a dummy. Hannity... Uh, Hannity may be a dummy. Alyssa, they purposely lie to Well, the
1: administration does as well. Exactly. When truth doesn't exist anymore, what happens to a nation? When truth does not matter, what happens to a nation? When facts are not
0: facts?
3: So I was campaigning in Iowa a week before the caucus. Trump had one of his big dumbass rallies there where he flew into Des Moines. Um, I'm a Republican running for president, so I worked the line of everybody going into the rally. Alyssa, it was the most depressing 45 minutes I've ever spent in my life. I asked 40 Trump supporters in line, 40, the same question. Has Donald Trump ever told a lie to the American people? And all 40 said no. Mm. That's sad. And you almost don't blame them because they're not being told the truth.
1: it's interesting because it is such a... And I know you've used this word as well. It feels like a cult. Yeah. I remember after 26, maybe the middle of 2017, I went on MSNBC and I called it a cult. That early. That early. It was Stephanie Rule. And yeah. she kind of like was taken aback by it almost. But I really feel like it is a cult and he is their leader. And he has manipulated and spun the magic and smoke and mirrors. And the problem is, is that those are the people that need the most help in the country, right? Those are the people that have seen factories that have broken down. And it's because of their vulnerability that they bought into what he was selling.
3: Look, I've given up on the Republican Party. The Republican Party is a cult, right? They, they no longer stand for ideas. The Republican Party right now is all about washing their leader's feet every day. That's what they do.
1: I don't think there's anything more corrupt or heartbreaking than that. It is the helplessness of people that creates, you know, the opportunity for a regime like this.
3: Yeah. Yeah. it's And you get it. I know you get it. And I wish more people on the Democrat side would get it. What elected him? Because we need to understand that so that we can beat him. That's right. When I left the race, I said, I'm a conservative. I'll support whoever the Democrats nominate. And I think it's important we all do that. But gosh, I hope they nominate someone who can beat him.
1: So let's talk about what got you to this point. Was there, an, was there a specific thing that he did where you were like, you know what, that's it for me, I'm out?
3: That's such a great question. I've been asked it a million times, and my answer is always a little bit different. I voted for him in 2016. Ah, <laughs> yeah. um,
1: You have to leave now.
3: I have to leave. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Not because I loved him or liked him. I'm guilty of one thing. I didn't pay enough attention to him. I'd never watched The Apprentice. I'm older than you. I didn't pay attention to him in the 80s and 90s. I figured he's a goof. He's a blowhard. Maybe he'll appoint a few good people and maybe a few good things might right. happen.
1: I think that's what a lot of people thought. I think people thought he would surround himself with good people.
3: And nothing would get broken for four years. Right. But then Alyssa, man, after he won and on the radio around the country, I had to pay attention to him every in word out of his mouth was a lie I didn't really realize he lied as much as he did that really began to move me off of him we've never experienced this the final straw for me was Helsinki in 2018 mm-hmm. when he stood with Putin mm-hmm. in front of the world and said I believe that guy and not my own people that, that was like the greatest act of disloyalty I've ever yeah.
2: seen if your name is Vladimir Putin then today was a very good day Because today, the president of the United States took your side in a fight between you and the United States. Breaking news siding with Putin. President Trump comes out of his meeting with the Russian president and rebukes U.S. intelligence agencies. The
0: president is
1: standing with the Russian president while trashing his own country.
2: The president of the United States will not say he believes his own government. Over President Putin.
3: I think that press conference was the single most embarrassing performance by an American president on the world stage that I've ever seen.
2: Damn. The most embarrassing performance by an American president. Do you know how hard it is to achieve that? George H.W. Bush once threw up on the Japanese prime minister. (laughs) And Trump is now on top.
3: And at that point, I went on the radio and I said, I'm done with him. I'll never support him. Uh, And was that decision hard for you? Huge, because I knew I was going to probably lose my radio show.
1: Right. So tell me about that process for you. Did you tell your bosses?
3: I don't think I told them prior to that show. After that show, they got in my ear. And the, the context here was, after Trump won, every few days, they would... Tell us, my bosses, you know, things we need to say and we got to be on Team Trump and don't criticize him. When Trump won, I tried to just do the good Trump, bad Trump thing. Mm-hmm. And I'd criticize him and praise him based on the policy. But they didn't like that. And that that even wasn't tenable anymore because I knew in my head and my heart I didn't like the guy. And I knew in my head and my heart he was bad for the country. Right. So the stations just pounded me and I lost advertisers. I lost listeners. But I could only say what I believed.
1: Yeah. And you can actually go to bed at night knowing that you're not lying to the American
3: people. With my three dogs now soon to be five, thanks to you. (laughs) You're
1: not taking my dogs. (laughs) So you make this decision.
3: Last year, I said somebody has to run against him on the Republican side. Mitt Romney, where are you? John Kasich. I wrote an op-ed in the New York Times in August, and I said he's unfit. Some Republican has to challenge him, and I apologize for what I had done the prior eight years to lead to Donald Trump, mm. but no other Republican stepped up, and so I did. Who
1: do you think is the backbone of the Republican Party right now as far as being true Republicans and not just Trumpsters?
3: Gosh, that's Rom- a really good question. Romney? You'd have to put Romney in that camp. That's, is that it? No, we're, hey, Alyssa, you and I are struggling because I don't think there are many. These guys like Ted Cruz and Nikki Haley, they're just waiting for Trump to lose. And then they want to be the face in 2024. You know,
1: I I met with Ted Cruz on on gun violence prevention. I watched that. And I still to this day will email him every once in a while saying, we're waiting for your moment. (laughs) Looking for a Republican hero. You know, something to try to encourage him to do the right thing because you know that guy knows the right thing to do. Right now.
3: Here's how serious it is. I think the Republican Party's done. I think it's breaking up. Because you're talking about Joe Walsh and Ted Cruz, and I will never support him again. He called Trump a pathological liar and amoral f- three and a half years ago. And he was right. And now, what he's doing now?
1: Lindsey Graham, same thing.
3: It's unforgivable.
1: And McConnell's just always
3: been an asshole, right? He's, that's just who he is. He's just, just, he's who just who he is. evil. right? Just who he is. I've got to tell you, I'm blown away in my disappointment with the Republican party who is in cahoots with this president and again, literally eliminating elections.
0: This is a Republican party as most people know it today. The chant is drill, baby drill. And that's what we hear all across this country in our rallies, because people are so hungry for those domestic sources of
1: energy to be tapped into.
0: My budget includes the largest increase in defense spending in two decades, because while the price of freedom and security is high, it is never too high. But the GOP hasn't always been anti-immigrant, pro-war and fuel hungry. The time has come. For man to make his peace with nature. Every
2: man, woman and child with a disability can now pass through once closed doors into a bright new era of equality, independence and freedom.
1: So what does it say to the American people when the House passes 400 bills that are like 80 percent of them are bipartisan bills and McConnell refuses to even put them up or even send them back.
3: Or It, it, it says the system's broken. Okay. This is partly the system that our founders gave us. When I was in Congress and the Republicans controlled the House, we sent hundreds of bills to Harry Reid in the Senate and he didn't touch them. Not as many bipartisan as now, though I will acknowledge. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's just – it's like – and, and prior to Trump, the average American would sit out there and see this and say, it's a food fight. Nobody's paying attention to me. But now all of Trump's people are just in their own tribe. And
1: when did that shift? I mean, I remember growing up and seeing Republicans and Democrats actually coming together to get things done. I don't remember a specific moment when that changed. Was it nine eleven? Was it?
3: That's a good question. do
1: you do you know? I mean, someone yeah. I asked this question once before, and someone said that maybe it was perhaps because sessions were not broken up. As much as they are now, oh, yeah. so all the kids went to school together. They lived in D.C. They all lived in D.C. They got to see each other at school picnics and they and socialized together. Socialized together at you know at baseball games and whatnot. And maybe that's the reason.
3: And that changed. So, like by the time I went to Congress, I slept on the floor in of my office. I didn't want to live in Washington D.C. There were a lot of congressmen like me, Republican and Democrat, and that's okay. I prefer that. But we never talked to anybody in the opposition party how, 10 years ago.
1: You can't function like that.
3: Agreed. It, so how it, do we fix that? Well, step one is we have to get rid of Trump. None of what you and I are talking about right now, you and I, Alyssa, could run the world, and I think we could bring the world together. Nobody's going to be able to do this until Trump's gone. He is an absolute cancer. We won't talk about the climate. We won't talk about health care. We won't talk about anything but Trump until he's gone. Then I think, a question for you, don't you sense on social media a bit of a yearning to have the two sides come together? Or do you still think we're like this?
1: I have to tell you, I find Twitter to be a dumpster
3: fire, yeah.
1: <laughs> and, and it's really, and I'm sure you get the same vitriol oh, that I get, and, yeah. but it's very, very hurtful and it's yeah. awful. And regardless of what, people's beliefs are that are different than mine it is harassment like if people were to say that to me in my face i could actually call the police oh it's it's that it's that bad and it's it's soul crushing yes and i understand the value of it and how i have to continue to use it but it's hard i find and
3: facebook can be that way as well
1: yeah i'm I'm very rarely on facebook You know what I find? If this is any indication of that being true, I will sometimes post, you know, sweet videos of animals or something like that. And people that are often horribly cruel to me will say things like, now this is a post I can support. There you go. Or something Boom. like that. Yeah, like like I Baby found steps. something. There you go. Um, of course, you know, non-political, non-issue related at all. It's not even about being vegan or anything, but yeah. So I think I have to tell you, the Ted Cruz meeting, I got a lot of shit from my side for taking that that meeting. I got a lot of the die hard advocacy activists that are working very hard to get amazing things done, but that would say, why would you? You're not going to get anything done with him. Why would you sit down with him? To which my reply was, I will sit down with the anyway. devil yeah. if it means we can get Air 15s out of
3: our schools. Whoever replaces Trump is going to have to make a yeoman's effort to begin to unite the country. I just can't stress enough, Alyssa. I know you know this. He's got to be replaced.
1: So you've had enough... You go on your radio show. You say, you know what? I'm done.
3: That's it. I'm done with him.
1: I'm done with him. Was that your exact words? I'm done with
3: him? And so I did that for two years, a year and a half.
1: has he gone after you on social Um, media?
3: Yeah. He took shots like we were. uh, He blocked me on Twitter. um, Congratulations. I was proud of that. And then all the conservative radio hosts were invited to the White House and he disinvited me and then he'd take shots but none of that necessarily mattered. What mattered was I was losing my audience. That's what made me sad. Mm. These people who voted for me because I wasn't on Team Trump, they wanted nothing to do with me. And before Trump, Alyssa, you were defined by where you stood on the issues. Now right. it's all about where do you stand on Trump, Trump. at least on oh, that's our side. Interesting. It's all that. That's it now. Are you with him or against him? I mean, I'm called a socialist. I'm called a rhino. I'm called... Every name under the book because I don't support him when I really am the same. I've always been on most of the issues.
1: This cancel culture that we talk about. You've been directly impacted by a cancel culture.
3: Absolutely. I don't know what we do about that.
1: The cancel culture? The cancel culture. I think we have to figure out a way to – and maybe it's videos, but a way to apologize if it is something you've done wrong. Right. And if it isn't something that you've done wrong to at least – Go on Twitter, do a live video. I think communication, being able to communicate your thought process is super important. It is, I think, very telling of where we are and it's why it's so terrifying having kids in this generation Mm -hmm. that we build people up. Really, it seems to simply tear them down. There's a lot of that.
0: And we've seen
1: some suicides recently because of of that. And I'm wondering what part of – what do we do about – the very distinct way people are getting their news. And again, going back to that echo chamber, you know, should networks like Fox or CNN or MSNBC, should they be called more like op news networks where we're actually saying this is opinion news and not actual factual news? Do we go back to a PBS type format do we need a whole new network how do we fix that part of it because that's a big that's a big part of the oh, tribalism
3: it's huge. it's huge because
1: the echo chamber where we keep just hearing the same thing and we're not having conversations with people that have differing opinions at all
3: no and we're not getting information trump has made everything worse he's the worst iteration of all of us the office of the presidency over the last 100 years has gotten much more powerful than our founders envisioned. Trump has taken that and put it on steroids. The media in this country has always been biased. I love CNN and MSNBC. I'm on all the time. But I know when I go on CNN and MSNBC, I'm generally going to be dealing with good, honest people who are more left of center. But then Fox isn't just biased, though. Fox is not factual. CNN is factual. MSNBC is factual. Alyssa, you raise a great point. 35% of the American people are being fed lies every day. I don't know what you do about that because I don't want the government to do anything about Fox News.
2: President Trump could not seem to get over the Fox thing, as he called it, after Bernie Sanders became the only Democratic primary candidate so far to spar with Fox News hosts in a town hall setting. Trump lamented it this way on Twitter. So weird to watch Crazy Bernie on Fox News. Not surprisingly, Brett Baer and the, in quotes, audience was so smiley and nice. Very strange. And now we have Donna Brazil. So here we
1: are. We have our families. Yeah. That are molding the way, you know, our, our political ideology and how we think. And then we go to college. Yeah. And that sort of solidifies whatever we were leaning towards. Mm-hmm. And then we get out and we sort of look for people that are like-minded, right? Then social media happens. And who do we follow? We follow the people who have the same ideas as we do, that believe the same things we believe in. And then we go home and we watch TV at night. And we're going to turn on the news. And we turn on the station of the ideology of what we believe in. So we are literally, each of us, living in a political box, that everyone's afraid to open because nobody wants to have the conversations, yeah. the hard, tough conversations, even our politicians. And I don't know how we come out of it unless we continue to, you know, maybe we should have live stream this conversation. You know what I mean? Where we show people face to face with differing opinions.
3: You'll get shit for having me on your podcast. Yeah, I don't um, care. It, it, Alyssa, you, you, to me, you, you raised the million dollar point. The average American no longer wants to be informed. They want their beliefs reinforced. Yes, they want to be comforted.
1: That's every that's it. night.
3: I've, I've had a long day. I've raised. Yeah, I, 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 I want to turn on Fox News and what I believe. I, I want to feel comforted in what yes. I believe. And so what's going to change that? I believe in the marketplace. I believe that things like this have to grow and flourish. And there need to be more courageous voices. And I think you're a courageous voice because you're a good, genuine, sincere woman of the left who will engage with anybody. Anybody. You are setting an example. You need to do more of this.
1: Because what – I mean humanity, at the end of the Mm -hmm. day – It's about humanity, and we're all connected. We're all connected. What do you think needs to be done now, leading up to the election? What do you think we need to do?
3: I think it's so simple. (laughs) You do? Alyssa, I really do. I mean, well, look at at me. (laughs) I may call me what you want, but I'm a Tea Party conservative, and I make a pledge to anyone who will listen That our only job right now, gang, is to remove this man from the White House. So I pledge to support whoever the Democrat is. If a crazy Tea Party conservative like me can do that, then anybody can. I don't love Bernie. I hope the nominee's not Bernie. But it doesn't matter to me. This is one of those moments in this great country's history, I believe, where we're called to all do one thing. You and I got to hold hands and get rid of him.
1: Who do you love?
3: On the Democrat side? Yeah. I think any of them could beat Trump. I think Bernie could beat him because Bernie would energize a lot of people. Mm -hmm. I know for a fact that Amy Klobuchar would kick his ass. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't even be close. Yeah, she's She's run a great campaign. Oh my God, Alyssa, she's tough, smart. smart. Yeah, I know. Look, I was out talking to Republicans for six months. Republicans in droves will vote for Klobuchar. They still would vote for Biden, and they'd probably vote for Bloomberg if it's Warren or Sanders. That would just scare the dickens out of people in the mm. middle. Why? Because they think Bernie will lead to radical revolutionary stuff when, you know, they, want, they don't want their 401ks or their portfolios touched right now. I think there's a fear there. Right. Alyssa, here's your hope. I don't think Trump's gained one new voter in the last three years. I mean, I spent six months talking to all his voters and I wasn't going to convert any of them, but he has not gained one new voter. He's the least popular president in modern times. With the economy we've got going right now, he should be a god, but he's not because he's an ass. Most of the American people don't want to vote for him. They just got to come together, though. And that's what I worry about.
1: What does Trump mean for our democracy or our republic?
3: He is everything our founding fathers feared period. Uh, We started this great experiment because we revolted against a king. This guy is a king. It's taken us, what, 240 years? We're back to a king. But he's a wake-up call. You've been active your whole life. But I think he has woken people up to become... You see this probably better than I do. He's woken people up.
1: And I think that's great. And I think people are definitely more involved and realize that it doesn't work unless they are involved. Mm -hmm. So... 2020, right around the corner, what are you personally going to do? Are you gonna go
3: I'm gonna campaign my ass off for whoever the Democrat is.
1: You are. So you're gonna travel, you're gonna do Absolutely. everything you have to do.
3: We are gonna start a, a C four uh, political organization. And Alyssa, what I'm gonna try to do is, because I really believe it, I'd I'd rather have a socialist in the White House than a dictator. I mean that. I'd rather have Uh, Bernie Sanders in the White House pushing Medicare for all, which I have problems with, than a guy in the White House who can't tell the truth. So I'm what I'm going to try to do is devote my time to going after Republicans, moderates and conservatives who I know are out there and convince them that Trump's a way bigger threat than whoever the Democrats put up. And remember, it was a real close election. If I can get a few hundred thousand people to change their mind over the next seven months.
1: 77,000 votes with three states. But I'd like for us, and maybe I'll make this commitment to you, if you will make this commitment to me, to try not to use those words that we fall into that are more talking point words than actual real policy.
3: The best thing that Donald Trump has done for me is he's been a a cold slap in the face to me. And look, Alyssa, you wouldn't have liked me five or six or seven years ago. I was one of the angry Tea Party guys. I went to Washington. I said things about Obama, Republicans and Democrats. Watching this guy in the White House for three years has forced me to look back and reflect, oh my Mm. God, did I sound like that a little bit? Mm. To the point where I've completely changed my tone. Tell Uh, me about your book. It's
1: It's got the greatest title ever. Talking
3: about changing my tone. (laughs) It's called Fuck Silence.
1: Greatest title ever.
3: Calling Trump out for the moronic, cultish, authoritarian con man he is. I'm tired of people being silent about what he is, especially, Alyssa, you know what he is. And so many of your Democrat friends know what he is. My side has been afraid to say it, but they know. They know, and that's why I wrote the book. Because I've had thousands of conversations over the last year and a half, and they say they say what that title is. Yeah, he's a con man. Yeah, he's a, an authoritarian. So the book is fuck silence. Don't be silent anymore. This is 2020. We can't re-elect him. It's a plea to get them out and to vote, to publicly speak against Trump and to vote for whoever the Democrats put up.
2: I am the people, the mob, the crowd, the mass. Do you know that all the great work of the world is done through me? I am the working man, the inventor, the maker of the world's food and clothes. I'm the audience that witnesses history. The Napoleons come from me and the Lincolns. They die, and then I send forth more Napoleons and Lincolns. I am the seed ground. I am a prairie that will stand for much plowing. Terrible storms pass over me. I forget. The best of me is sucked out and wasted. I forget. Everything but death comes to me and makes me work and give up what I have. And I forget. Sometimes I growl, shake myself, and spatter a few red drops for history to remember. Then I forget. When I, the people, learn to remember, when I, the people, use the lessons of yesterday and no longer forget who robbed me last year, who played me for a fool, then there will be no speaker in the world who would say the name The People with any fleck of a sneer in his voice or any far-off smile of derision. The mob, the crowd, the mass will arrive then.
1: Benazir Bhutto, the former Pakistani prime minister who was assassinated for her progressive views, said, Extremism can flourish only in an environment where basic governmental social responsibility for the welfare of the people is neglected. Political dictatorship and social hopelessness create the desperation That fuels extremism. Trump flourishes in social hopelessness. And as Joe Walsh said, Trump wants to be a dictator. His policies bear it out time and time again. He attacks farmers with his tariffs. He attacks the poor with his cuts to welfare and social programs. He attacks women with his threats to bodily autonomy. He threatens the sick and the disabled with his attacks on health care. He attacks people of color with his own hateful racism. At every single turn, Trump and his enablers in the cult, passing as the National Republican Party, are setting the stage for political dictatorship. And all of us, no matter our political affiliations, must stand together to fight it. We have to take the brave actions of running against it, of giving money and time to fight it, of risking everything we are able to risk to defeat this dangerous, evil regime. So when you feel the most desperate, look to the Joe Walshes, the Bill Weld's, and the Justin Amashes. Look to those on the opposite side of your own beliefs who are standing up and saying, no, you don't need to agree with them, but in them you will find courage and you will find a starting point for a return to normalcy. There is hope there, and there are sparks of life and decency, and when we strike enough sparks, a fire will burn. Sorry, Not Sorry is executive produced by Alyssa Milano. That's me. Our associate producer is Ben Jackson. Editing and engineering by Natasha Jacobs and music by Josh Cook, Alicia Eagle, and Milo Bolliari. That's my boy. Please subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like the show, please rate, review, and spread the word.